This is Anchor LA, a podcast presenting world headlines, technology news, arts and data, and encouragement from the Praise Light Media Studios in Panorama City, California. Good day, it's Wednesday, the 7th of March, 2018. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy has declared a state of emergency in New Jersey ahead of a powerful snowstorm known as a nor'easter, due for arrival early today, with the storm's effects already hitting parts of the northeast and not relenting until sometime on Thursday. Several other states have also followed the suit of Governor Murphy, as in some places the snow could fall at a rate of 1 to 2 inches per hour or more on Wednesday afternoon and evening. This according to the USA Today's Asbury Park Press, which stated that high winds are also expected with wind speeds of 15 miles per hour to 25 miles per hour and gusts of up to 45 miles per hour along the shore. Further north throughout New York City, the snow is expected to be even heavier, with up to 18 inches of snow possible in parts of New Hampshire, Upper New England, and Pennsylvania's Poconos Mountains. According to the U.S. ABC News, transportation departments in Philadelphia and Boston loaded up salt trucks and pre-treated roads on Tuesday afternoon, and some airlines were already waiving ticket change fees for airports in the storm's projected path, such as Newark, Philadelphia, Boston, and New York's J. FK. U.S. grocer Albertsons has a new president in a follow-up story to one heard a few weeks ago on Anchor LA. Former Starbucks CEO Jim Donald has now been appointed as the grocer's president and chief operating officer to oversee the transition of the newly purchased Rite Aid brand to Albertson's ownership. Besides being a former CEO of Starbucks for six years, he was also CEO of Bellingham, Washington-based Hagen, which became well-known in the grocery industry when it purchased most of the Albertson's stores ordered to be sold by the FTC antitrust divestiture when the company purchased Safeway. But going bankrupt shortly after, mostly from being sold closet underperforming stores, Hagen was forced to sell out, at which time Albertson's bought back the stores thus circumventing the antitrust laws and becoming a monopoly of grocery availabilities in numerous areas across the West Coast. The newly appointed Jim Donald also served at the start of Walmart's food operations in the early 1990s and steered Pathmark through bankruptcy in the mid-1990s. He has also been listed on the board of directors for Rite Aid, which was purchased recently by Albertsons in a move signaling major changes for the standalone pharmacy market. It's all another chapter in the rapidly sifting landscape of American retail. And it seems banking institutions are not immune either, as Amazon refuses to stay out of the news by announcing plans for checking account services, giving traditional brick-and-mortar banks a run perhaps quite literally for their money. According to the Financial Times, Amazon is in talks with J.P. Morgan Chase to offer bank accounts to its customers. These talks are still in their exploratory stages, but this potential partnership is interesting in many ways, spreading whispers of perhaps a unique Amazon currency, exclusive retail ecosystem, and the list goes on. And for those who look to the future, namely with a Christian perspective and biblical worldview, it may give cause to pay closer attention and pray for God God-given discernment, which is a good idea with all things, not just technology.
On December 8, 1939, the man with the golden flute was born. James Galway was born in East Belfast near the Belfast docks as one of two brothers. His father, who also played the flute, spent night shifts cleaning buses after World War II while his mother, a pianist, was a winder in a flax-spinning mill. Surrounded by tradition of flute bands and many friends and family members who played the instrument, James Galway was taught the flute by his uncle at the age of nine. When he was 11 years old, he won the Junior, Senior, and Open Belfast Flute Championships in one single day. When he was 16, he traveled to London to study the flute at the Royal College of Music and the Guildhall School of Music. He went on to study at the Paris Conservatoire under Jean-Pierre Rampal. After his education, he spent 15 years as an orchestral player, playing for the London Symphony Orchestra and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, among others. He auditioned for the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra under Herbert von Karajan and was principal flute of that orchestra from 1969 to 1975. In 1978, he recorded an instrumental version of John Denver's Annie's song, which peaked at number three in the UK singles chart. During his concert tour routes, James Galway often visits various types of church services as well and always prays before his concert performances. Wearing a cross pendant, he says it reminds him of what he should be doing and how he should be behaving. Noted hymn writer Keith Getty was introduced to the music industry by James Galway, who was intrigued with his piano arrangements, and with Galway's help, Keith quickly became a successful orchestrator and conductor, especially in the film industry. In fact, Keith Getty helped arrange the music that James Galway performed for the ensemble recording of the soundtracks for Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings films, composed by Howard Shore. Over the years, James Galway has played numerous classical solos, easy listening pieces, performed with famous bands such as the Chieftains, and played in orchestras presenting music both new and old. Knighted by the British Empire in 2001, Sir James Galway is known as one of the world's most prominent prominent flutists and has sold well over 30 million copies of his recordings. The concept of prayer is often thrown around as something that is a whimsical whisper, or a fleeting desire for someone's well-being, or magic words that we incant when we see something that we lust for. Last week, Dr. Albert Moeller hosted a question and answer seminar at UCLA in Southern California. One of the questions that was asked in the seminar was regarding the biblical view of the term thoughts and prayers, which more often than not starts trending moments after school shootings, terrorist attacks, tornadoes, or any other disaster. The phrase, thoughts and prayers, has been called into question by some for its conceived worthless power when tragedies both natural and man-made occur. Their argument is that in today's age of social media, it's very easy to simply throw a phrase out there and feel better about yourself without getting out in the thick of things and effecting a change, or at least being involved in some sort of political activism. Some have even decried the power of prayer to 
God by claiming it to be a cop-out in lieu of some sort of activism. In last week's seminar, the Ask Anything tour at UCLA, Albert Moeller answered the question, what good do the thoughts and prayers of Christian commenters offer in the face of tragedy. Dr. Moeller started off by stating unequivocally that the only thoughts and prayers that matter are the ones that are directed towards the one true and living God. All others do not matter. When a believing Christian says thoughts and prayers, he said, that should never mean a forfeiting of responsibility. It would be ridiculous to pray for someone who is hungry when you have the ability and the means to feed them. The Bible speaks about this in James 2, so simply saying thoughts and prayers, if that's all we do, is dishonoring to God and followers of Him. But that being said, this does not mean that thoughts and prayers mean nothing. For Christians, praying for others means that we are demonstrating love and action through the fact that we are with those in thought when we cannot be with them in tragedy. And as he said, it means in prayers that we practice what we really do believe, that God commands that Christians pray and that God honors our prayers. And we as Christians believe that prayers will make a difference because of God's sovereign love and mercy demonstrated when we cannot make a difference in tragedies and situations ourselves. We know that God can make a difference. Sadly, to the unbelieving world, this does sound like a cop-out because they do not believe in the one true God. But we as believers are answerable to God, not the world, and God commands us to pray. However, effective prayer must always be in accordance with and consistent to God's desires, His plan. We've established that prayer is right and it's mandatory, and while on one aspect of prayer is to pray for one another's well-beings in global situations, another important aspect of prayer is regarding ourselves. Not for selfish things, but for our hearts, our minds, and the transformation, renewing, and the molding of such. Matthew 6's Lord's Prayer demonstrates to us that we are to pray for God's will, not our own. This goes far beyond the prayers for stuff, or success, money, and so on, which are almost always purely selfishly motivated. This prayer for God's will is in effect asking that God would rebuild our heart's desires to seek His will and then to be joyful in the manifestation of it. 1 John 5 tells us, This is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we seek anything according to His will, He hears us. A devotional from Grace to You Ministries expounds on this when it explains that learning to pray according to God's will is a major step in the process of identifying with God's purposes and conforming our will to His because it drives us to the reading and study of the Word, and it demonstrates a humble and submissive heart. May we be diligent students of the Word of God so that we may know God's will, and may we ask God to reveal areas in which our will is not yet conformed to His. And when He reveals those areas, may we be humble, may we be teachable and submissive, and quick to root out the pride which is causing us to want our flawed, earthly-focused will over His perfect one. Thanks for listening to Anchor LA on Twitter at Anchor LA Podcast and Facebook.com slash Anchor LA, where you can find links and information to various topics we cover on the show. Contact us anytime with questions or comments or call into our show directly on the Anchor app with input or suggestions. We'd always love to hear from you. Until next time from Panorama City, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Anchor LA.